that's an audible that we get to call today here in the fast lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app and across the Virginia Talk Radio oh. Network. Trey, what's the chuckle as we start things off in a rather impromptu manner? I can tell you're itching to tell us. So you were, you know, uh, I guess Windows is having fun right now. And so the computer reset and you're like, we're, uh, we were discussing your hummus and, and you started going your soliloquy and I'm trying to get your attention and I just keep going, Ed, Ed. Ed, and then you finally, I just finally had to say, we're going live right now. So uh, we are, uh, well, we're really on time. The intro probably just didn't play. We're about maybe 30 seconds too early. Um, so I'm going to be uh, waiting on this computer, and we're, we're, uh, yeah. Live, live radio, ladies and gentlemen, and live audio, these are the type of things that Trey probably doesn't have to deal with on the front stretch podcast network i'm just gonna call it that because Good that's call. happy hour recording tonight happy hours recording tonight the f1 already dropped i listened to it they're very entertaining the pit with straight it. uh yeah i mean i don't really know much about f1 nor do i care it's kind of the same predictable are thing you, are you gonna watch the f1 time. movie that's what they talked about um it's got brad pitt i i heard about it it kind of cracked me up a little bit. Hey, they're making very authentic, which you got to give them credit for that. No, I give them a lot of credit for that. And it is actually, I would say, by and large, really good in terms of that particular element of the product. It's just Formula One is not my thing. So that's kind of been the backbone in the background for me there. What is my thing? Tennis. Yeah, wait a minute. Not, I was going to say up. F1 is definitely not your thing because I was watching an F1 video as before, you know, because I like Formula One. Um, you were like, ugh, F1. <laughs> that is literally what you said. So so this is a topic for another time. We're not going to call a total audible on our subjects here in the fast lane. Not that we have a ton to get to in the summer months because you can kind of move I mean, these things around. All-star game tonight. That's... It is. Foul Ball Area Podcast. Are you guys previewing that or going to recap it afterwards? Recap. Uh, we live tweeted uh, the Home Run Derby. We'll live tweet the All-Star game. One of us covered the Home Run Derby. That was me. And Matt is covering the All-Star game. So. Tag team duo, Trey and Matt, with your Foul Ball Area podcast coverage of the All-Star game. God bless you. Y'all get that. Tennis is my thing. One of my bets for Wimbledon, gone, as is the three grand slams in a year for Iga Svatek. She got beat today. That's not good. Novak Djokovic to win the calendar slam. That is still alive. Dear God, please let that happen. That would be the ultimate gift from the manna from the heavens right now. It's one of those where, like, if I touch the match, it's bad. If I don't touch it, it goes the other way. Don't you love it when that happens? Football season will be here soon, though. That's the real saving grace. Weird as it is, because that's the hardest sport to bet. It's the one where I know I would say the most about. Um, But the reality also is this. We cover a lot of different subjects when it comes to football. And one of them is this. Northwestern and what's transpired over the last month and change, really the last week though more so. A couple days. I mean, from, it, it, from the Friday afternoon news dump, Trey. God, I love it. On the end of the Fourth of July week, let's try to get this story out at six p.m. I've seen these before, by the way. You know, certain businesses out there that are, you know, they may be going through a leadership change. Businesses have scandals to report. Excuse me. Sports teams have scandals to report. Maybe they're going through a leadership change and they really don't want it to get all the attention. I mean, it's like baffling how this stuff happens. As though social media doesn't exist and pick up on any of this and totally thwart that outdated line of thinking. But then there's the other angle to this. And there were a couple of them. 
with the Northwestern situation that we can take away here. This is not who the next head coach is going to be. I mean, if they pull someone from the ACC, I've heard the name Mike Elko of Duke mentioned. I would tend to think it's unlikely you're going to get anyone to come to Northwestern uh, with real cachet unless you throw a boatload of money at them and a big guarantee contract this late in the cycle when everybody else has their roster by and large set. And Northwestern was not expected to be a good team anyway. But if you're looking for all the X's and O's and insight on that, uh, this is not the discussion for you. Maybe tomorrow with Chuck Culpepper, the Washington Post on that, Wimbledon and the Women's World Cup. Trey, quickly. I was going to say the only real ACC angle I would say to this whole situation, and know we're going to dive into it, and I honestly am shocked I haven't seen much of it. Who was the athletic director when most of this took place? Ding, ding, ding. Isn't that a compelling question to ask? And it's not being asked. It's Jim Phillips, the ACC commissioner. And Jim Phillips was reportedly a finalist for the Big Ten commissioner. And also, the SID for the football team in the last decade just became an employee for the Big Ten. Like, yeah, they're director of communications. Yes, so... Which, it's rather ironic this brings this it up. This is so, interesting. So, so, Trey, I'd be curious to get your point. Were you in... In any Greek societies, fraternities, nope. or anything like that, I rushed a couple, but I didn't. I didn't get membership. I'm. I wasn't cool enough, apparently. I mean, ours was fairly eclectic. Pi Cap Alpha at Rhodes College, where I went. Theta Chapter, by the way, shout out to them. Uh, we were very eclectic. I mean, we were the. You know, we would have people on the LGBTQ plus spectrum. Uh, we would have people from different ethnicities, religions, races, backgrounds, and I say that because there are certain fraternities out there that are more narrow-minded, shall we say. I'm not going to mention names, but there's some that have more of a reputation for that. That was not ours. We were rather eclectic during my tenure at Rhodes College and loved doing it. And that brings up the point about what people knew in this situation at Northwestern. Because we went through rituals from pledging to the fraternity to different events in your pledge time before you were initiated all the way through initiation and then as a member you're kind of on the other side of what's taking place and there was always this theory of yeah okay you're gonna do some things that may be not necessarily the best judgment there may be certain things where you sit there and go it's typical college behavior if you will think your parties and things of that nature but we had protocols in place and this was 10 to 15 years ago before social media existed, before everyone became a roving reporter with their mobile phones. And I mean, again, let's not kid ourselves here. When I'm in college, it's not like common sense is flowing through your brain and through your veins, especially when certain liquidity might also be impacting that decision making. And yet we always had protocols in place. And I can't speak for every fraternity. There were six of them during my tenure at Rhodes College. But by and large, the people I knew in the other fraternities, the other five, even for the most part, they had things in place. Now, again, I can't get into all their details, but I know for us, we never crossed the line of anything sexually inappropriate, as was reported to have happened with Northwestern. Now, from what I've heard about other initiation rituals, whether it's in sports or fraternities, the idea of, I'm going to get real graphic in about 10 seconds here, so there's a chance if you have kids listening, you can turn the volume down and just hit us up at Fast Lane Ed Lane, where you listen to podcasts to check this out later. But we had things that popped up during our tenure, and yet we never ventured into the realm of 
dry humping, which is what it was alleged to have happened. Naked crawls, the bear crawl naked across the locker room at Northwestern. Those are the allegations that are out there. Or, you know, our fraternity house or anything like that. There are other um, elephant-themed things that may or may not have been alleged to have taken place. Uh, it's it's kind of disgusting to think about, Trey. Uh, maybe I'll explain in a break, and if you want a real... Uh, if you want the real details of it, I won't mention fraternities, but you can fast lane, Ed Lane, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we might throw it out there. Things that may have happened in ritualistic behavior within a fraternity. We never went down that road. I mean, we had a level of decorum and common sense. And don't get me wrong. There may or may not have been times where foreign substances were involved or substances that uh, blurred the lines of age legality, if you want to you know, read into that what you will. We always had adults that were in the room and knew when to back off and when to go forward with a particular situation. If you were a a, a pledge who did not drink, you know, problem. We found other alternatives that could still, you know, give you that, oh my goodness, experience. And we were open about it back in the day of, you know, look, if you need to get rid of what you just consumed, we're there to help. And we worked with that through other kids or... You know, that's where you had a, a mentor, if you will. And the mentor was always around to basically kind of, you know, go up to you and be like, hey, do you need a timeout? Or you monitor the situation. And we did a very good job of that, of monitoring the situation, just saying, you know what? Tap out. So-and-so, no mas. Not happening anymore. And it, it allowed some checks and balances to take place. And I get it's a gray area, and I understand that. But that, that is part of different organizations. I've heard of these things with athletic clubs as well. That you had those type of rituals. Heck, there were sports teams at Rhodes College that, to my knowledge, again, from hearing it, and we had certain athletes from cross country to football to soccer in our fraternity that would share what happened within their sports teams. But these things popped up within those groupings as well. And yet there was always some level of common sense that could be there as well, that you could always intercede and interject and say, all right, enough's enough. There's too much going on right now that could be a problem. And if we could come up with those checks and balances so that we could still have our Greek organization, you could still have different rituals, and you could have certain things, whether it's Big Brother Reveal Night or Bid Day where your bid goes out to your pledges or Initiation Days, then why can't other organizations have that as well? And I get that there's a macho culture in sports, and particularly men's sports, not that there aren't, you know, from what I gather from some women's sports as well, where maybe it's more catty, the sorority-like thing. But by and large, for men's, it, 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 that's how it was, at least back in my day, as I sound a little stodgy and old. And I'm not sitting here saying, why are we ruining the fun of these sports? There's certain things that cross the line. Any of the sexual stuff in an uncomfortable situation, you know, I was never going to be comfortable with that. Heck, even the excessive consumption of certain beverages in, in my situation Either I uh, you know, took proactive measures myself when I was the one potentially consuming them or had others around me, we always had that mindset of, you know what, we're going to keep our eyes out for so-and-so. Hey, you know what, they may be consuming it, but we, we got to back the reins off here. This could get out of hand. And that that's where you have adults in the room and different people take turns with that. If we can figure that out, why can't we? So that's one of the angles to this that's brought up. And so, to your point, Trey, it is different now because lawsuits are more prevalent than ever before. Everybody's worried about that. Everybody could theoretically be a reporter and record what happened, and the information gets out, and then there's the social media backlash 
that can pop up in certain situations. And, and in some cases, it's honestly understandably justified. But then there's the other part to this situation as well when it comes to Northwestern. And that is the media angle to this. If you're not familiar, Northwestern is one of the more well-noted schools when it comes to putting out members of the media. Michael Wilbon, Mike Greenberg, Darren Ravel, more on him momentarily. I was going to say. Stuart Mandel, you know, of The Athletic. Those are four that come to my mind right off the top. And there are probably others that come from the Northwestern School of Journalism. It is a very good school and puts a lot of people out in the media landscape and in the media world. And and to their credit, the reactions are different. You know, I, I, the, the, the issue I have in the media when it comes to something like this is the idea that people claim to be skilled in the art of journalism and doing things the right way. And I'm merely following journalistic protocol. And then when something like this pops up, they're nowhere to be found. We need to be fair to everyone involved at Northwestern. But when it's another school, we're going to go out and just absolutely vilify them. Really? I mean, come on. I I get that there are allegiances that are involved. And it's not to paint everyone in this broad brush. For the record, I haven't really dug deep today to hear what Mike Greenberg has said. Not that I really care about his opinion very often. To me, there's not a lot of substance there with his opinions. I I was a Golick fan back when they had the show, much more than Greeny, because Golick had the playing experience. Uh, Greenberg was more contrarian-ish, but it seemed to me the sake of it. But he's been very good and successful. And he's a Jets fan, and that resonates with folks at ESPN. So, you know, he's had a great job. And by and large, you know, he's done a very good job with a lot of the responsibilities there. Clearly, he's valued by the folks in charge, and ultimately, that's what matters for him. But I haven't gone out and sought out his opinion. So I can't comment on him one way or another. Same thing with Michael Wilbon. Very good journalistically, but I haven't heard anything. And if you have, Trey, feel free to share in or interject. Or, if you're a listener... This is during his long break. The only person that really has defended this that has Northwestern ties is Darren Reville. Correct. The other one is this, Stuart Mandel. So Stuart Mandel is off on vacation this week. He does the Audible pod. I know you've listened to that before, Trey. I have as well. Um, And here's what Stuart Mandel said by way of text to his colleague, Bruce Feldman, who relayed this earlier today. What it's worth, my friends on our group chat are basically like, quote, burn this place down. And they expect Fitz to be fired. He said, don't know if that's representative of the whole fan base, but I think our alums are more likely than most to be, quote, this is unacceptable than defend him to the death. So that's the reality. You know, there are two Northwestern media members, Wilbon and Greenberg. I haven't heard what they've had to say. It's not like I'm actively seeking it out, but I haven't heard anything. Mandel, and I have no reason to doubt that Bruce Feldman, their longtime colleagues, uh, but Bruce Feldman with The Athletic on the podcast that they host together 99% of the year, except for vacation time, that, that, that there's anything inaccurate. But Stuart Mandel clearly disapproves of what took place at Northwestern. The only one that's jumped out is Darren Ravel, who is adamantly gone after other universities, namely my guy John Ruiz at Miami. Journalist. Uh, yes. I, air quotes. Uh, thank you for that, Trey. And yet, when it's come to Northwestern, the only thing we've gotten is like two hours ago a tweet that said, sad. And I get it. It's gotten over like 500,000 impressions. And maybe he knows he's got that power as somebody who has over a million followers. And that's how he judges himself. And hey, to each his or her own, you can always judge that. I can't speak on the individual's behalf one way or another. I don't know him. Don't know enough about him to be able to comment in that regard. It's not a good look if you're trying to promote that you do things in terms of journalistic integrity. Yet you'll criticize every other school. But because you have a relationship with the coach at Northwestern, or let's be honest now, the former coach, it's going to go out. 
And then there's this other fact. There are a lot of Northwestern media members who went to school there and yet didn't always dig into the Pat Fitzgerald background and everything that unfolded. And this is another point that probably should be brought up about this. And again, this is just to keep in mind how journalism works, whether it's sports media or how news media can often be that way. And that is sometimes people have relationships with people they cover. And it's real difficult to blur the or to blend the lines of having a job to do and knowing when to be critical, knowing what's on the record and what's off the record. And Bruce Feldman, who is a Miami guy as well, let's be honest about that. Uh, but Bruce Feldman had this to say about Northwestern benefiting from some of that media coverage. This is one of the last coaches most people who, who are around the sport would, would think would be involved in this. But also certain coaches, I think if, if it happened on their watch and they were, I think the pitchforks would have been out a lot in, more robustly than they were here. I don't dispute that at all. The idea that the pitchfork, so to speak, the Twitter, I mean, heck, for crying out loud, the there are certain journalists, we may have named some of them, that will criticize anybody else. But when it comes to their school, they're blind to the fact that maybe there's a bias that impedes their journalistic objectivity in a particular situation. That's the reality of it. I don't have a problem with people being fans of that what? situation. Where'd that music come from? Um, it's because the computer reset. Ah, there it is, popping back up. So... The thing is, we all have some dog in the hunt, so to speak, that got us involved in sports. It's just different. Trey and I have been both up front that we're Philadelphia Eagles fans. I, he's up front that he's a Virginia Tech alum. I'm up front that, you know, I like Novak Djokovic and Inga Svatek and Wimbledon. One had a good day, Novak won, not so much. Iga, showing that until she actually focuses on grass, probably not going to win in Wimbledon at any point in the near future. But the reality is... That, that's what it is. You can be transparent. The thing that gets me is when people claim objectivity, but yet they don't tell you where they're really coming from and their bias comes out, but they try to defend it as nothing more than just getting in the way of their job. Guys, girls, let's just take ownership of it. I mean, seriously, let's just take ownership of who we are. And I get people have agendas and oftentimes you don't want to reveal your agenda. And there's the whole mind games thing that happens out there. I mean, gosh, people do it in the workforce all the time. People like to play psychology and mind games with everything else. And, you know, I mean, that's not really how it is with me. I'm just blunt. Like, I go with the Mike Tomlin approach, if you will. The standard is the standard. We aren't really sugarcoating things. You know, we're, we're less, uh, and not to say this is bad, but it's a Pittsburgh Steelers approach, so to speak. You know, and I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan, but I've always respected the Steelers because there is that mindset. Not everybody has that. And so just keep that in mind when you consume media coverage. And it is amazing because that quote from Bruce Feldman, about how the pitchforks may have been out sooner, and I'm paraphrasing it, but you heard it a moment ago from the Audible podcast earlier today, that the pitchforks may have been out sooner if there was another coach. Did it not perhaps contribute to the fact that Nicole Marcus, who is the summer editor for the Daily Northwestern, she's the one who spearheaded the research that ultimately seemed to bring down the football coach as she discussed on ESPN yesterday. He felt that it wasn't fair to the people involved with this story to kind of have the details of it swept under the rug. He also shared with us that he felt that the sanctions imposed on the team were more of a slap on the wrist. She's talking to Cole Marcus, the Daily Northwestern summer editor on ESPN yesterday. She's talking about the player, one of the players who came forward about this situation. So wait, you mean to tell me that this school is supposedly so great at producing all these objective journalists Yet it's the school newspaper that's the one that comes up with this story. I mean, if you're a Northwestern graduate in sports media, 
I mean, if you're on vacation, I get it. Stuart Mandel, like, I'll defend him. You got to carve time out for vacation, and you can't be on every single story. I also understand this. When you cover programs, oftentimes there's the old horse trader. You're trading information. You're keeping things under vest, off the record, things for context. And I don't have a problem with that by and large. I get that. But yet, a story like this breaks, and it's the school paper that brings it up? It's Northwestern, Ed. What do you mean? Like, all right, so I think you're bringing up a good point. Like, should this come from more of a national angle? But let's let's think right now. Like, you could tell the shock by a lot of national reporters just because Pat Fitzgerald is the best coach. It's He's been there, what, 24 years, 17 as a coach, four as a player, 21 years, whatever it is. And he's the only he, – I think they've had five 10-win seasons. He's produced three of them. Um four if you include his time as a player um like he's done a lot of good got him into big 10 championship games so on and so forth i think th- did they play in a rose bowl they might have played. yes yeah under they have played in a rose bowl with pat fitzgerald so there's that angle second this is a team coming off a year where they they did not win a game in the continental U.S. They won one game, and it was in Ireland, and it was against Nebraska, who fired their coach. This is not a marquee program. Like, I, I think another reason, like, Pat Fitzgerald has presented himself as a good guy, as a really good football coach. I mean, he was connected to the Green Bay Packers job at one point. So I think there's a reason for that. I think you, you think you use your assumptions, and the journalists aren't going to be asking around. I think it's natural for, especially in a sports town of Chicago, let's think about what's going on in Chicago right now. Northwestern is lower on the totem pole in terms of Chicago. The Blackhawks, who had the number one pick and picked a generational talent. The Bears, who are the NFL. The the Then you have two baseball teams. So it's just not going to get covered because it's Northwestern. Like, it's also Northwestern. Like, it's not Miami. It's not... A mar- like if this, like <laughs> I, love, I, love I know the next time scandal I, comes out, your I know mind. you're picking my like, but that's a, it's a really good example. Like, let's say this was Miami. This situation happened at Miami. Oh gosh, the first Mi- of all, nobody would be shocked. The Miami Herald, <laughs> my words, not yours. The Miami Herald is telling this story, not the student newspaper and for the University of Miami. Like, do you see my point there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. people in Miami, even if so, they, hold up, hold up, just let me clarify for you because I think I get where you're going with this. People in Miami, even though the Hurricanes have been mediocre for the last while. It. I mean, yeah, they've been mediocre. Let's not kid ourselves. There's still a big brand down there that the local media covers ardently. I mean, you could argue that you know they're with the Heat and the Dolphins in terms of prestige in that community. Same thing if something like this happened with USC football. And yes, there's the Dodgers and the Lakers in LA and the NFLs there now with the Rams and Chargers, even though no one goes to those games unless they're really, really good. Or they're the opposing team's fans. I mean, yeah, that's a very good point, Trey. I know it's a dig, but it's an easy one. The reality is, if something like this happened with USC football, for example, they're going to get covered in those areas. Northwestern football, it's a smaller school in Chicago that's further down the pecking order. Ironically, to go back to your point about Jim Phillips, the former Northwestern AD who this happened under his watch, now being with the ACC, well, it's kind of like Pittsburgh to an extent maybe, but they care about pit football. But clearly Boston College, for example. Something happens at Boston College with football. They are easily the fifth most relevant property at best in that particular area. Yeah. But I, my point basically being is like, uh, what I've seen is that 
the uh, Mandel is has sung the praises. The only person that has Northwestern ties that's kind of been supportive of Pat Fitzgerald is Darren Ravel, and Darren Ravel is not a journalist in my opinion. He's just a person that wants to get attention. Like, go watch the video of him trying to get JJ Watt's attention during JJ's last game. Like that that shows you who Darren <laughs> Ravel is. But. I think here is this is a story of how great student journalism is can be. Um, I know my time at Virginia Tech. There are some great stories told by the Collegiate Times, both on the sports front and in, in general. And um, I, I think that's really where it should be here because I, you can't really bash. Like it's such a weird time in sports in that you know Greeny hasn't said anything, but he's on vacation, as you can look on his Twitter. Wilbon is also on vacation, so how can you really tell? Mandel, who we mentioned, Mandel on vacation. On vacation. Like it was uh, the, a convenient the, the news frickin', dump, by the, the way. The freaking Northwestern AD is on vacation and had to zoom into the meeting. Like I uh, think. By, by the way, can I cut cut you off? I love the initial punishment of two weeks suspension when they're on vacation anyway. We're just I not going to pay you I know. for being off for two weeks. Oh yeah, that's not going to raise any red flags. Like this is going to be like this is more going to be a cluster. You know what? As as time goes on, because Pat Fitzgerald is going to sue for his forty two million dollars, which I guess this is right. Prob- I'll put it this way: he probably's got a better chance of obtaining it than Bob Huggins if his attorneys try to sue yes. West Virginia. Yes, very much so, because he could argue that he was he was basically double punished for this. And you know, I I think at the end of the day, the 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 report probably needs to be. You know, I think if if Northwestern was more transparent with what they found out, then this wouldn't be as big of an issue. Because I think there's two parts to this issue. It's the Pat Fitzgerald part of it, which uh, did he have an effect? It, you know, and it's the hazing part of it. Like the hazing part of it shouldn't have happened, and uh, how they handled Pat Fitzgerald was mishandled, and that led to him getting fired, which. I think you would agree with me was at the end of the day deserved. Like you, it's 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 back to your boy Rick Pitino's thing with the you know he had oh my guy he had no <laughs> knowledge of uh, let's just say some special friends in the dorm rooms <laughs> and he still got fired friends with benefits um uh, special friends that you pay um and then you, you you know you are the CEO of that program and I think for Pat like. I was shocked with Pat Fitzgerald. Reese Davis kind of put it. He's like, if there were six go- six coaches, you would say in the country, that you know could have this incident, you would think wouldn't have this incident to him. He's on that list um, because he's wanted a program somewhat consistently that is very difficult to win at. Um, heck, they won one game last year, and there was no like threat of him getting fired. That just showed how good of a football coach he is and how well he succeeded there. So I think at the end of the day, Northwestern, the president, the athletic director, mishandled the situation entirely by just suspending it for two weeks and then give credit to the student journalist who, who revealed more, and then they reacted. And it, it was mishandled by the university. It was mishandled by the football coaching staff, and it shouldn't have happened. And at the end of the day, it, it results in what should have happened two weeks ago, and that was Pat Fitzgerald being fired. And it could have been a lot simpler if Northwestern came out and said, "Here we have a ha- we went into a hazing investigation. We found out X Y Z. We believe that Pat Fitzgerald may have known about it. 
even if he didn't, this was inexcusable to happen in our program. He is the pro, he is the president, the CEO of our football program. He's he's arguably the face of the university. We can't have this. He's fired. It, it, we wouldn't have had what's today. I mean, look, you, you hit the nail on the head with that, Trey. You could easily have just said, we suspend him indefinitely while we're gathering information. I mean, if I can, again, again, go back, one of the core tenets of the fast lane. If I can come up with the solution here in our fast lane studios at the Virginia Talk Radio Network, then people with more at stake should be able to do a better job than that when you have more on the line. And I get it. You may be losing a little bit in the words of our guy, Kenny Powers. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. If you end up losing more football games. But it's not like you were dealing with a great proven recent winner, at least, in Pat Fitzgerald. So to answer the question of our three Stooges friends. Are you that dumb? I don't think I am. And the other people in charge should not be either when we return in the fast lane we know ben cates he is smart he covers local sports for newsadvance.com and he's looking at the high school sports then 545 today liberty we've touched on the commitment of Jaden bradford the new quarterback for liberty university to be of course assuming he follows through on his commitment but behind the scenes and not to say they're inducing with nil but more the reality of if you have an established nil program the impact it can have even for a every school, school like is liberty. inducing with nil just say it Ed. i mean look that those are your words that i don't necessarily disagree with when we return though in the fast lane ben cates of newsadvance.com with us on the cbs sports radio lynchburg app 